Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Carly Spina. Carly has 15 years of experience in multilingual education, including her service as an EL teacher, third grade bilingual classroom teacher, and a district-wide multilingual instructional coach. She is currently a multilingual education specialist at the Illinois Resource Center, providing professional learning opportunities and technical assistance support to educators and leaders across the state and beyond. Spina enjoys connecting with other educators and leaders across the country and beyond, and is an active member of the multilingual education professional learning community. Her first book, Moving Beyond for Multilingual Learners, was published in November of 2021 by EduMatch Publishing and is available on Amazon. Welcome to the podcast, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I've been following your work for a while and I know that you do some blogging as well for Teach Better Team. Uh, Let's start off with a question I ask everybody uh, at the beginning of the podcast. Tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. So I think um, the biggest moment that comes to my mind uh, when I was thinking on this question is, um, you know, when when we call ourselves advocates for those we serve, whether we're thinking of students or families, Um, When we hold on to that idea, that role of being an advocate, oftentimes we pour ourselves into things at 150% of our capacity. Mm -hmm. And while while it's a good thing to advocate, we also have to do that within boundaries. And there was a period in my life where I was extending, overextending myself into my work and I really left little to my family, my own family, my own kids, um, my financial, um, you know, situation, and even my mental capacity. And so I found myself really hitting like, kind of a rock bottom in every, you know, every category. And um, I had pulled money out of my wallet during the day, because I had been dealing with a situation at work where our, um, our lunchroom staff was really adamant about um, not not financially supporting particular mm-hmm. families who were going through hardships, um, and I didn't want to deal with the politics of you know sure. escalating anything. And so I put took money out of my wallet and I gave it to this family that was struggling with something pretty pretty uh, catastrophic, um, and then went to tutoring, went to uh, a parent education program that we had launched. Um, And my son, I didn't have money to feed him dinner. Um, And this led me to like sitting outside of a McDonald's parking lot under a streetlight, counting out change that I was trying to find in the backseat. Um, And it was was really a, a moment for me of like, again, just rock bottom, for a whole lot of different things, but I had to really kind of pull back and scale back and say, Hey, Carly, you can still advocate. You can mm-hmm. still do, you know, as much as you can, but you also need to pause and, you know, take stock of like, what's realistic, what's within your capacity and what's not. <laughs> and mm-hmm. how can you ask for help? So mm-hmm. I got much better about asking for help. I still need reminders, but I think that is a story that will always humble me a little bit and say, Hey, Carly, do what's in, with, within what's within reason for you. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I think as educators, we're always wanting to serve our students and their families. And like you said, sometimes that can go over our own needs or our own family needs. And it's finding that fine balance. Yes, absolutely. And I think we all need those reminders too, especially if we find ourselves like, well, if I don't do this, no one else will. Like, no, 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 mm-hmm. ask for a team. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a team there somewhere that will help you do all, you know, all these things. <laughs> yeah. So you've been a blogging for the Teach Better team about as long as I have since late 2020. And I see most of your blog posts are uh, in the term of the multilingual uh, English language learner space. So talk to me a little bit about some of these uh, blog posts and what you hope, uh, I would say, general educators slash administrators will get out of this. Yeah, so um, I'm so excited to be connected to the the whole Teach Better network. And when um, I I first started to blog, I you know I really wanted to draw on my experiences serving multilingual learners. But I recognize the the Teach Better community, right? We are. We, we stretch across multiple mm-hmm. countries and, you know, we all teach a different population. So I think um, what's one cool thing is that the multilingual community, that's like the fastest growing community in the U.S. for uh, in U.S. schools. Um, and so whether we currently have multilingual students um, or we're going to <laughs> receive multilingual students, I think one of my biggest hopes and passions is really looking at nurturing a mindset that is inclusive to our students and families. I think many times folks will say like, well, I don't have that on my certificate. Like I don't have an EL endorsement. um, So I'm not really sure what to do. Um, Or like, I don't have, you know, tools or resources to, you know, feel equipped as a professional. So I hope that, um, you know, uh, my posts can kind of springboard some discussion and, um, again, really nurture a, a an inclusive mindset. I think many times in our schools, um, our, like we have a lot of language that floats around in the hallways yeah. uh, about particular students. And so sometimes people will say like, oh, you know, that student is has no English. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, maybe they currently don't have like literacy skills in English, for example, but they have a whole lot of language skills in Vietnamese and in English, you know, and they're starting their English language journey. So looking at our students through an asset-based lens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what a lot of districts are uh, focusing on now is like not looking at the deficiencies, but looking at what they already know, like they are fluent in another language that, you know, most uh, people born in the U.S. are not, right? And sometimes they've learned in their home country a second language that may not be English. Um, I think that'll be an asset if they've already learned a second language to help them learn that third language or fourth language. And I think it's, yeah, focusing on their literacy skills in their their home language can really go a long way. Um, Wanted to talk to you also about your book, Moving Beyond for Multilingual Learners. Um, so, um, you talk about, it's a little bit about, of everything and there's chapters on SEL, uh, community engagement. So give me a little bit of information about what readers can find. Yes. Yes. So in the book, I was originally going to call the book moving beyond visuals because, um, as an EL teacher and as a third grade bilingual teacher, anytime I went to workshops and conferences, I felt like. I I was always hungry for more to, you know, equip myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt like (laughs) the fields like always had a Band-Aid approach to everything. And the biggest Band-Aid was just like add a visual 
And that yeah. is just like the the one <laughs> uh, strategy or tool that will really reach all learners. So um, over the years, I said, okay, Carly, you've got to really push beyond just adding a visual. What else is going to really make an impact for the kids in front of you? And, and how are you going to help them navigate mm-hmm. grade level content while they're learning content and language simultaneously? Like, what are you going to do, Carly? <laughs> um, yeah. And so as I sit down to to write, I started to really collect all of these different, you know, the facets of all the work that we all do, you know, like, how do we serve the families? How do we connect with different community agencies? And so as I started to write, I started to identify different ways, different moments for us to move beyond. Uh, again, that could be like practices we've inherited. Um I have, yeah, just a, a, a lot of different, you know, thoughts and ideas. I'm drawing on my own experiences and things that I have learned from colleagues over the years. Um, so every chapter starts with moving beyond something. So I have a chapter on family engagement, and that one is called Moving Beyond the Newsletter. Um, okay. I have a chapter on SEL for multilingual learners, and that one is called Beyond Inspiration. So I'm trying to kind of collect all those things and and push uh, readers, just like I'm, I'm pushing myself mm-hmm. to move beyond and stretch beyond, you know, all those things and, you know, just be a little bit better every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think, um, you know, there's been books on supporting uh, multiple learners for years, but I think a lot of the time it's those teachers who have the students in their classrooms that gravitate towards uh, those books or if they're getting the endorsement. But really um, any staff member um, in a school, because as you said, there's more and more coming in now post-pandemic and also the fact that uh, we want to be able to support and, and, you know, focus on what they know, um, how we can help new families uh, navigate uh, the need to knows of the community as well. So uh, highly suggest picking up that book. (laughs) Thank you. So um, you've um, worked in many different roles, as I mentioned in the bio, uh, your role uh, currently is a multilingual education specialist at the Illinois Research Center. So um, kind of what does that role entail and do you get into districts or schools very much now? This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Yes, yes. So this was a, always um, like a dream job of mine because when I was teaching, I would always attend workshops and attend. The, there's a this great uh, annual statewide conference uh, for educators who serve multilingual learners. So I always said like, oh, the IRC, the Illinois Resource Center, like that is always the go-to place for research and for mm-hmm. recommendations and guidance and all these things. And um, so I'm I'm honestly, every day I wake up so honored and, and thrilled because all of my colleagues are just these brilliant, brilliant women mm-hmm. <laughs> who I have followed their work for years. Um, but it's, it's the coolest job ever, really. Every day is a little bit different, but um, we, we offer, we have a contract with the Illinois State Board of Education and so we provide like webinars like all the time, like free webinars for Illinois teachers. Illinois teachers get priority, mm-hmm. um, but if there are spots available, um, other people can absolutely sign up and, and join us. Um, but we offer workshops on all kinds of different topics related to serving um, students and families. Um, and then the other piece of the job is I get to go into schools and districts and it's just the greatest. I get to meet with 
really incredible uh, teachers who are stretching their practice, who are doing cool, great things uh, for their kids and for families. Um, and I learned so much from all of them. Um, so I'm working on uh, with a few different districts right now on co-teaching for multilingual learners. So really cool because we get to kind of pull on the work of some of my education heroes like Dr. Andrea Honigsfeld and Maria G. Dev. They've done mm -hmm. extensive work on co-teaching. Um, but it is, it's really neat. There's um uh there's professional learning, there's coaching, there's all kinds of different things that kind of fall under the umbrella. And then um, so yeah, it's a lot of uh a lot of research uh, is involved, which is exciting because I love <laughs> digging into, you know, professional pieces and I love to read research and, and studies and things like that. So it's really a really cool job and I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely that pinnacle of where you kind of uh, saw those people uh, when you started out teaching, right? You kind of achieved that and really are able to make that huge difference uh, statewide. So Congratulations on um, landing that position and and having that impact uh, with um, you know uh, students. Uh, but you also give some professional development. You can con consult with districts in person or uh, via um, uh, web. So, what is some PD that you do uh, consult with districts on? What are some of those themes? So a lot of um, like popular, like more hot topics um, right now that I'm working with districts on um, include things like looking at our MTSS structures in, in okay. schools and districts and making sure that those structures are linguistically and culturally responsive mm -hmm. to, you know, to our communities. Um, we look at things like what data pieces are being collected, um, what's not being collected and why, um, and then looking at things even like interventions and are those linguistically appropriate? Are those being provided by somebody who has, you know, some professional experience serving multilingual learners? Because I think many of our schools are still kind of functioning through this, like we're trying to cram a multilingual framework into a monolingual system. And it, and it really mm -hmm. doesn't work. We really do have to utilize different data sets and ask different questions and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of be guided through a different, a different lens. So uh, that's definitely one big topic. Uh, another big topic is um, this idea, and it's, it's an, another acronym in education because we love those. <laughs> um, LTEL is L-T-E-L or long-term English learner. Mm -hmm. um, and each state has a slightly different definition, but it's uh, really talking about students who have been within an EL program or bilingual or dual language program for five or more years. Some mm -hmm. schools or some states say six or more. Mm -hmm. um, but looking at language growth for students um, who many, many of which were born in the United States and who, again, who have been in English instructional programs for years and years, um, looking at how we can kind of boost and elevate and, and amplify language learning opportunities um, for higher proficiency levels. Um, so those are kind of some some of the bigger topics. But uh, again, we kind of take uh, feedback on what schools have identified also as, you know, needs of areas that things that they want to explore or push themselves a little deeper in. So we kind of go down a whole lot of different uh, routes. But I think those are probably two of the biggest uh, needs that I am seeing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in kind of knowing more about that um, LTEL and how those students, um, because I know some of them stay in program for a while, they're, they are unable to maybe score high enough on the access test, 
you're, they're kind of stagnant in their language learning. Um, uh, what do you see kind of um, as trends in like uh, getting those kids to kind of move through so they might not need these services? You know, it's, it's interesting because we always talk about, you know, planning our instruction through the four domains of language, reading, mm -hmm. writing, listening, and speaking. Mm -hmm. And we see for students as they grow in their age and they, you know, mm -hmm. grow into, you know, different grade levels, they often have less and less opportunity to speak about grade level content. Um, there was a study done, I want to say in 2016, and it was Nystrand, I believe, was the researcher. And okay. he gathered that on average, like if you look at a secondary classroom, a, a, like a high school block of uh, of instruction for like a 60 minute period, he said the average was between 14 and 52 seconds for okay. students to speak about grade level content, like wow. within for every one hour. So if you look across the span of a day, that's like maybe eight minutes max yes. <laughs> for kids. And so we want to make sure we're amplifying linguistic opportunities to talk about, you know, talk about the content, talk about their biology, talk about yeah. their, you know, ELA uh, content learning. Uh, but they want, we really want to make sure that we're providing reading, writing, listening, and speaking opportunities like for every block of period, you know, every uh, period of instructional time that we have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something I think um, there are teachers that need to work a little bit uh, more on less teacher talk, right? Yes, <laughs> Students yes. are going to be writing, um, you know, they'll, they do a lot of writing, I think, but just that opportunity for students to speak, right. And yes, uh, yes. not just be passive listeners or writers. Uh, so that's, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunities um, to kind of give give the uh, time to the students to reflect. Yeah, so yes, yes. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation about supporting uh, multilingual learners, their families, your book, um, and the trench story that you shared. Out of everything we talked about on the podcast, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? I'd love for everyone to know that every single person has their own unique language journey. Like all of us have our own language journey. We have things that you, even if we have a monolingual language journey, mm -hmm. we're always reading, writing, listening, and speaking. And we have had moments that have influenced each part of those journeys mm -hmm. for us. So all of our students also have those language journeys. So it's sometimes hard when we say like, oh, you know, we're trying to like identify a like peer, for example, or like, oh, well, students typically at this proficiency level do this. Well, <laughs> it's really hard to quantify. So, yeah. um, you know, I think I think as we are all languagers, we are all people who teach content through language. Um uh, looking for opportunities to enhance our own language journeys and uh, influence, positively influence the language journeys of every student that we serve. I think that's everyone's responsibility, no matter what our role is in the school, um, because we're all utilizing language to teach our content. It's so important, um, you know, whether or not you speak a different language or have that experience in a different country, you can connect through that language, through your um, how you use language and how you uh, process language. So yes. great, uh, great thoughts there. Um, how can people uh, find you online and connect with you? So I'm probably most active on Twitter. So you can find me at Mrs. Spina's class um, or you can email me anytime at carlymspina at gmail.com. Okay, great. Thank you so much for being on the Out of the Trenches podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. Get it now at 
A-M-Z-N dot T-O slash 3B7-2Z. Again, A-M-Z-N dot T-O slash 3B7-H-X-2Z. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. Thank you.